Beyond Belief Sobriety is a podcast and community for people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Hello, and thank you for spending some of your time to listen to our podcast. In this episode, we welcome back Mark Noblock, who previously appeared as a guest on episode 181 that was posted in August of 2020. In that episode, Mark talked about how he uses a variety of tools and resources to support his recovery. Since that time, Mark has become a certified recovery coach and is now working at a treatment facility where he helps people identify and reach their recovery goals. I met up with Mark again during one of our weekly live streams, and during the live stream, he mentioned that he has a few clients who happen to use Soberlink, which just so happens to sponsor this podcast. Interested in learning how his clients use Soberlink, I asked Mark to come back on as a guest, and that's what gave rise to this episode. But before we go any further, I would like to take a moment to thank Soberlink for supporting this podcast. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and proving it to your employer can be so difficult. And our friends at Soberlink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or loved one, Soberlink can help. Soberlink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity, has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used, and sends results directly to your specified contacts, so there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting Soberlink.com BBS. And now, episode 289, Soberlink Accountability in Recovery. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thanks. And uh, it's great to be here. And uh, thank, thank you for all you do here. I, I, quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know how you find the time to do as, as much as you do with this podcast. And it helps a lot of people. And uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's, I love doing it. So it's a labor of love. Uh, sometimes it does get to be a bit of a, a bit of a job, but um, I'm going to be retiring in a couple of years and then I'll have a lot more time to, to devote to this. So, but I do love it. It's been a while since we've talked. Do you remember when it was that we did that episode? I do. It was a couple months into COVID, the summer oh. after COVID started. So it, it was it was a little over two years ago. Two years and, ago. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I thought it was longer than that. Yeah. Two years ago. Okay. Well, it may be two and a half. Okay. Two and a half. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, still, and everything, like the whole world changed after uh, COVID in March of 2020. And it's like, that's like a marker in time. And it doesn't seem like that was that long ago, but, but yeah, a couple of years now, you know? Uh, so interesting. It did change everything. It really did in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, can't quite believe I'm, I'm approaching my 10 year mark of, of recovery and, um, it's, it doesn't seem possible, but it, but it is, I'm close to that. So uh, when I, when I was on last, um, I had taken some recovery coach courses oh, that's right. during COVID and, yeah, I had taken a couple different courses and uh, uh, an ethics training course. And um, where'd you take those so, from? Uh, yeah, with the ho- 
I, I took one here. Uh, I believe it's a Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. Course. That's it's like called, one of the um, finest ones C- I know of. CCCCR, something like that. Oh, yeah. I can't believe you know of it. Yeah, yes, I was going to actually take coach, some, uh, yep, capital. Or, yep, yep. I was going to take some of those courses. I was actually signed up to take them, and then they had to cancel them for, for whatever reason. So I, I'm, I'll do that later on. But, yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting you. So you yep. took those courses? No, it's okay. So I took I took the the C car course. Yep. And uh, while we were doing that, they added in. Uh, it was called the McShin Foundation course. Uh, so I took that one, and then an ethics training. So I, I you know, I had a little. It, it, it was helpful to me to my recovery. I really started learning great tools. You know, and since I got sober, John, I, I went to a rehab here in Connecticut, and I, I it was it it was twelve step based, but they offered other things, and and that got me started realizing uh, how many different avenues we could follow in our recovery, you know, and uh, they introduced me to, like, I was always a hiker and I always loved nature. I never realized that I could tie that into my recovery. And I learned that at rehab. They got me started in that and yoga, meditation. And I still, to this day, do all those things, you know, along with AA and the support group meetings. And um, so anyways, um, you know, I took those courses uh, with an interest in someday working some in some capacity in the recovery world. Uh, I, I couldn't afford it at that time. <laughs> I was still working full time. Uh, recovery jobs don't typically pay much. It's, it's uh, got to come more from your heart. Uh, but I've since retired, you know, from my career job. And um, so, so I started working for a company uh, based here in Connecticut. We're, we're now multi-state I, I, and um, it, it's an in-home addiction. And uh, it, it, our motto is, you know, meet the client where they're at and uh, multiple pathways, you yep. know, whatever works. That is totally and, what it's um, about. You know, I, I, I embrace that. And that is what a recovery coach or a peer support specialist would encourage anyone to do is to find the path that works for them. Yeah. Uh, wh- one other thing I did want to mention also, and I know you've done it as well uh, last winter. I, I also took the smart recovery training. Oh yeah. You know, very I got good. Certified, certif- certified to be a smart recovery uh, facilitator. I haven't, I have not even come close to running a meeting. But, Isn't that something? Um, I, I, I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. I like the tools and I learned a lot from that. Been, I, I, I've gone to some smart meetings, not a whole lot though. Um, so do you, do you attend very many of those meetings or not a lot, a few, uh, online now? Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to get more involved. I really do. As a matter of fact, I just received an, e- I just received an email this week and you'll probably get it, uh, about a refresher course for facilitators, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Something free of charge they're offering just as a refresher. So, uh, so yeah, smart, you know, and, and, and having those courses, uh, under my belt really, uh, you know, just helped me, sure. uh, to, uh, with the multiple pathways right. approach, you know, right. so I, you know, I have a, a little knowledge. I'm not an expert on anything, Same. but I have a little knowledge. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so I started training. working for this company. So I started working for this company, uh, recovery advisor is my title and we're in home, in home, in home addiction and, uh, meet the client where they're at, as I said. And, uh, you know, so right now I'm a per diem guy. I work 20 hours a week and, you know, I've got, five or six guy fellas that I work with. And, um, you know, they're all following a different path. It's really great for my recovery. And um, I have two, two p- people presently are involved with the Soberlink, are utilizing Soberlink. We offer that and they're utilizing it. And um, gee, one one fella in particular is doing fabulous. He, he never misses a test. I don't know how he's doing it because it's, uh, as you mentioned, it's a breathalyzer and it's for uh, accountability and um, especially in early recovery, you know, and uh, it's three times a day. I, I think they get a text 
text message uh, with, with a, a notification, you know, you're due for a test and they, they blow into this three times a day. And I get the results, you know, the, anyone, they could, de- they determine who gets the results. But uh, in this case, I, I'm on the, on the uh, text message list. So I get the results. One fella, his wife gets the results and, um, you know, it, it, it's given her peace of mind. He can't stop saying that how, um, you know, she just feels at ease, especially in his early recovery stages. You know, I'm sure as time goes by, the tr- the trust will build. But, you know, uh, in the early stages, it's, I, we, it's been really helpful. Yeah, we've been utilizing it. I can understand. So he is comfortable and his wife is comfortable also knowing that he's sober. Does he he doesn't feel any discomfort that that she that she just wouldn't take his word for it or is this just something that just helps solidify that, you know, listen, there's no doubt this is what's going on. And, it, and maybe it's good for him. Maybe he likes to be able to share this. Uh, is that is that the case? I, I think you pretty much nailed it on what you said. Um, I, I think a lot of people would feel that way. It's not for everyone, you know, like, oh, what do you mean? You don't you don't, you don't trust me? Well, you know, and when when, <laughs> when we're in active addiction, we, we kind of need to be not so honest. You know, so, um, so, so that trust has to be built up over time. Sometimes it takes a while. So yes, this is not for everyone, but in the, in these cases, it's reassuring. And I, I think, I, and I think you touched on it, the fella doing the test, I think he might feel good, you know, Hey, look, look, you know, I'm, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Look, I'm, I'm blowing zero. I can or see that. I could, know, I could relate to it. that even. I could see if I was doing that early on that, that I, and especially if I could share that with somebody, you know, the person I'm sharing it with would be happy that I'm sober. I'm checking in with them. I would be happy that they're happy, you know? So it's, it's, I could, I could see how that could happen you know, build not just trust between you and the person that you need to, that needs you to be sober, but also helps build your own confidence, you know, and your own focus, you know, helps you focus on what, what you're wanting to do with your life. Very cool. Definitely. I mean, once, once a year, uh, in an AA meeting, I, I, you know, I raise my hand and go up and get a a coin, Right. you know, uh, that's the show. What what have you done? Recognizing my sobriety. And I, you know, I, I like those coins. Yeah. I hang them from the rear view mirror of my car. You know, I'm proud of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of along that lines, I guess a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. So I do have two fellows actively using Soberlink. Yeah. So everyone has a different, everyone will find their own path. So how do you, how do you approach that? If you have a, a client who, who comes to you now and they are new to sobriety, how do you help them find their path? Well, you know, John, if someone asked me uh, what I got out of taking recovery coach courses that I did, um, you know, I would have to say a lot of it I forgot. You know, <laughs> you forget, you can't remember, especially right, right, if you're right. not using it, right? Exactly. But if they said, could you tell me the most important thing you learned? And I, my answer would be active listening. You know, they taught me about active listening and, and I'm learning. I learn every day that when a person is in early recovery, they just want someone to listen. You know, they want someone to truly listen. And, um, you know, we make, uh, I make a lot of use of um, motivational interviewing, you know, with the, with the acronym ORS, right? You know, open-ended questions, not, not yes or no. We want open-ended questions and reflective listening. Make sure the person knows that you're truly, you're truly listening. You know, you're not letting it go in and out. You're, you're, you're absorbing what they're saying. And, and that, that's how you, 
you know, you, you could kind of pick up on what direction an individual may want to go. And it doesn't always work. You know, you don't always have the right answer. But, you know, by doing that, you, you could kind of get a little clue to where, where uh, you know, I, I've got one fellow loves AA, right? Two sponsors, you know, loves AA guy. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I've got a fellow who wants nothing to do with a support group. You know, God, God is, is, is running the show for this fellow. God's oh, running the show. Oh, God only. He needs no yeah. other people. Okay. No, yep. I, I put it behind me, you know, and Hey, listen, if that works for you, that's great. You know? Uh, so I've, you know, a fella um, uh, taking antabuse, which if a person, not, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, a daily medication. And if you uh, absorb alcohol in any way, you become very sick, you know, and for him that works. I mean, every, so I, I you know, all these different approaches, um, you know, we're using smart recovery, uh, definitely using smart and, and certainly, as I mentioned, AA, of course, and, um, you know, the nature, you know, I, I, I stress the, at least for me, the importance of, uh, you know, a connection with nature, hiking, uh, you know, I'm a gym guy, you know, taking care of yourself physically, um, the, the list goes on and on. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a type one diabetic and I, I, I was diagnosed, um, in 1975, I've been dealing with diabetes for, for like 47 years. Right. And when I think of the technology that I've witnessed from the time I was diagnosed, uh, at 15 years old to now, it's just incredible, incredible, you know, and imagine, you know, if I went to my endocrinologist and said, look, I, I just want you to treat me the way you did in 1975, <laughs> you know, or if the endocrinologist said that to me, hey, Mark, listen, you know, I'm, I'm a dogmatic kind of doctor and we're going to do it the way we did in 1975. I, I don't think so. You know, um, you know, maybe we could make use of what was used back then, but let, let, let's include all the things we've learned since then. And um, I kind of, make I, that's kind of how i approach my recovery yeah i do too uh, you know I, I had a similar experience so i um i took a um uh i got certified here in missouri as a peer support specialist and i talk about that a lot on the podcast i'm kind of proud of it it was a it was a really um intense um course uh that that i took it was it was really well done i learned a lot and I get to follow it up with weekly meetings. They call, they're echoes, and you might have them in Connecticut. They have them all over the country. But it's basically a, a telemed type thing where I get together with other um, peer support specialists in the state of Missouri. They're all working in the field, whereas I'm not. And what they'll do is they'll talk about some new resource out, that's out there or update on 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 what's going on in the recovery world here in Missouri. And then there'll be a case study where someone will bring up a, a situation with a client that they're working with or something, and then they'll get um, feedback from the other people in the group about you know how they might approach whatever the the problem is that, with that particular client. And I just learned so much, you know, uh, from from just the coursework and doing that. But like you say, you know, I, I, I'm not using it. I don't know if I, I don't know if I will until maybe I retire. I might want to do some volunteer work or something someplace that I could treatment center or a halfway house or something like that. But yeah, so, I, but there's like a few key concepts, I guess, that, that sunk in with me and, and have helped me. And one of those is, well, there's a few, but the first one is understanding what recovery is. You know, and and, the, and and using the SAMHSA definition of recovery, which is basically a process of change, you know, where we, we improve and try to become the best self, you know, that, that we can be. It's, under, it's understanding that. 
And then what I think is what I would have loved to have focused on when I was first getting sober is asking is, is for someone to think about anyway, consider what do you want your sober life to look like? What do you, what do you want besides just not drinking or using, you know, what do you want from your life? And maybe we can talk about some goals to set. I think that that's really important because if all I did, you know, in my early days, Mark, and maybe it was okay, but I just focused on not drinking and staying out of jail. And that was good because I, I, I was, you know, by not, by not drinking and staying out of jail, I could get a job, I could have a home, I could make friends, you know, so I was having a good life out of that. But I think that it helps to have some underlying purpose for being sober beyond just not going to jail and staying out of trouble. I love that, John. I love what you just said. Absolutely. So that's kind of what I got from 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 that. And and I've I've carried that with me um as I do these episodes and as I think about my own recovery or talk to people, you know, in one-on-one meetings I have, I always I always kind of think about that. And then of course that meeting people where they are, which I think is extremely important and not trying to bring them where you are. And that's where, you know, that's that's where I I I guess do you, do you ever have clients have you ever had anybody that that has gone to a twelve step meeting or something and the and they didn't feel like like their view was being respected and that that people were trying to pull them in a particular direction? I mean, I know I've experienced that myself, yeah, me too, yeah, um well, it happens, you know, and you know i I just um nothing is for everyone, you know, and uh i do I, I do tell people though. Hey, listen, I, I make use of AA. I love AA, but um, it's it's not my only tool by any means. And you, you do have to give it a fair ch- chance. You know, you need to go to 12 meetings you, and you can't go to the same location. Exactly. Every meeting has that's, a, a, that's a different the personality. Thing. That's the thing. I always tell people that too, is don't judge all of AA based upon one group and one meeting. You have to really go to di- maybe different groups and different meetings within a group can be different because different people are there. The The meeting really depends upon the people in that particular group and some, and groups have their own individual personalities and ways of doing things. So there's that, but, but also don't make it your only tool because if you, if you have other things that you can also, that you can add to your arsenal, it just strengthens, it strengthens your sobriety, it strengthens your recovery, but it gives you more confidence. If you go into some, if you go into a room where the, you're some, some dogmatic guy corners you, you've got all this, you've got all this other stuff. And I, th- I think, I think that you're more than likely to say, you know, that fine. Thank you very much. But you know, not have to buy into it. I think that was my problem early on. Didn't have that. Hey, listen, for some people that works, some people want and need that, but I, I was not one of them, you know, sit there, shut up. No, no, that doesn't work for me. You know, a different place. Yeah, no, for some people it does. And that's great if it does. So that's why I, I stress, look, you got to give it a fair shot, try a few different locations. And um, yeah, uh, you know, meetings seem to develop a personality. So True. if it's a very it change an open-minded over time, yeah, it'll change. But, you know, like say a meeting is very open-minded uh, and more on the liberal type of side. Word gets around and, and people who like that type of meeting are going to continue to go to that. And, you know, so they, they find, as we've said, their own personality. But you got to give it a try. You got to try. You got to try several locations and things like that. And I even stayed connected to my where I went to rehab here in Connecticut. And I'm speaking up. It's in northwestern Connecticut, a really beautiful area. I'm speaking up there in a couple of weeks. And we had an alumni event two weeks ago. So um, 
hey, listen, I got to if it's not fun, I'm not going to stick with it. I have to make my recovery fun. There has to be a, an element of fun to it. Enjoyment. Uh, I don't want to sit around and be miserable and, you know, watch a football game and see everybody else drinking beer. I mean, every time I turn on a motion picture uh, within my wife and I keep <laughs> we keep score. We, we watch a lot of movies and we keep score how many minutes into the movie before someone's either drinking talking about drinking, talking about rehab, talking about an AA meeting, something related to recovery or addiction. And it's, it's amazing. We're, we just live in a society that's um, just so focused on alcohol. It's just the way it is. I can't change that, but um, I can true. work around it. I know? was just talking to, and I posted this episode just this last Wednesday. Um, her name is Amy and her last name, I'll think about it a little bit, but she's a, she's a recovery coach. Willis. Willis. Did you, <laughs> Amy did, Willis. Did you hear that? She was, she was fantastic. I loved it. She was fantastic. She yeah. was. And she talked about that, uh, normalization of alcohol use in our society. And she is adamant that, you know, it's, it's similar to what was going on with cigarettes. It's a, uh, it's big alcohol. It's these companies that are making millions and millions of dollars, I'm convincing a society that, um, you know, alcohol is harmless and fun and, um, you know, you just have to be responsible with how you use it, you know? And, and so there's, 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 that's, that's what drives, I think this, all the, the references to drinking that you see in movies and on television, it's the same thing used to happen with cigarettes. It used to be almost any movie you would watch, they'd light up a cigarette. Yeah. Humphrey Bogart or whatever. Yeah. No, Amy was great. I, I did listen to that. I loved it. And I loved her analogy with the smoking. And, uh, you know, when she touched on um, how the, you know, the beer trucks on the back, it says drink responsibly, like that relieves them <laughs> of all liability, right? Not, not, now it's on you. Now it's on you, the bad, the bad alcoholic. <laughs> you know, so. It's true. She, mm-hmm. She's right. She's I, right. I, I, I enjoyed that episode. It was it that, that she's like the first person I met that, I, I think she is but the first person I met that not just deals with helping people that are, you know, struggling and, and, and getting into recovery, but also just addressing the, the societal problem, you know, that, you know, not putting all the, the blame on the person, but like the substance is the issue is where she's coming from. It's the substance itself, not necessarily the person. And, you know, when we drink alcohol, which is an addictive substance, you know, when we start drinking, we don't know that we have all this back, back this trauma or whatever, and and that and that we can become addicted to it. We're not thinking about that, and and it and it takes over very quickly, and it can be dangerous. Yeah, yeah, and, and so powerful. At least for me, alcohol was a very powerful drug, and um, it had. Uh, I wasn't addicted so much physically, a little bit, but psychologically, what a hold it had on me psychologically. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say the same thing. I was um, I, I definitely drinking would have the compulsion to keep drinking, you know, the next day, definitely hung over and sick. And I was a blackout drinker, but I didn't I didn't have like, um, you know, some people like you have to drink or you you start having um, DTs, you know, or you get you have. Um, uh, oh, what is it? Um, I, I what a seizure. A seizure. Yeah. A seizure. I had a guy, I, I yeah. took a guy to the emergency room who had a seizure because he stopped drinking, you know, but I've, I've, I didn't have to experience that. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize the, da- the danger of alcohol withdrawal. You know, when we think of withdrawal, we think of, we think of heroin, right? Everyone thinks heroin and, and b- believe me, I'm sure heroin is a very uncomfortable withdrawal, yep. but it's not life-threatening. Right. Alcohol withdrawal. It is will kill you. You know, 
And, and, yes, and I'm sure that you have actually been with people. I have been with people going through withdrawal. I've been with people that have been tied down to their freaking bed because they're, because of the alcohol withdrawal, you know, just to keep them in their bed, you know, I and can't say that I've witnessed that. I have certainly heard of it. Yep. And, um, a couple of times. So it's, I've seen it. I've seen it up close. Unfortunately, I've seen uh, one of the guy, one of one of the people I'm thinking about, he was, uh, my, I guess he, he's my sister, my wife's uh, brother-in-law and he ended up dying. And looking back on that, this was a while ago and I was an, I was really an AA guy at the time. And he had, he had grown up in a very religious family, a dogmatically religious family. And he later rebelled from that. He, he, it, it was, that was his trauma. It was that religion. Right. So, we got I got him to a treatment center that was actually sponsored through the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army, I've always had good experience with them. You know, they they and I've gone to uh, meetings there and stuff at these different treatment centers and I thought it would be helpful. But he was immediately approached with all the God stuff just from the steps and all this other stuff. So he didn't stay in treatment, ended up ended up going home and he died. And that was just from it's unfortunate, you know. That scares a lot of people away, you know, uh, any, anyone, uh, you know, whether it's God stuff or something else, whatever, something that, that only, when only one thing is offered, I when think only one thing is offered. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the strength yeah. of where you're because working now. Is what I'm saying, it doesn't options. work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Lot, yeah. Yeah. A lot of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I use, um, you know, certainly it's important in recovery. You, you know, we say, you know, you have to get sober for yourself. I, I don't disagree with that, but uh, something that's powerful for me is um, knowing that there's other people dependent on my recovery, you know, and that, that's a powerful tool for me. Um, just a quick story. I remember uh, I was maybe five years sober, you know, and um, my t- I have two sons and they were already out of college at that point. My younger son was living nearby in a rent and uh, I didn't see him too much. His life was busy. So I'm in my office here and um, he shows up one day unannounced, which was a little unusual. And uh, I didn't hear him come in. All of a sudden he's standing in the doorway. I could tell he has something to say, you know, and uh, he sits down, he's kind of has his chin in his hands and he says, um, Hey dad, um, you know, Sam, his girlfriend, who is now his fiance, uh, Sam is moving out of her house and she's getting an apartment and she asked me to move in with her. And I was just wondering what you thought I should do. And, you know, I know that that may sound very insignificant to a lot of people, uh, but in reality, for me, it was one of the most important moments of my recovery. And um, I describe it as the moment the airplane flew over my house, pulling a a large banner that read, this is why you stay sober, you know, and I think we can all use that tool. Uh, You don't have to, you know, with me, it was my son that day, but you don't have to have children of your own. Uh, We all have someone, you know, a spouse, a sibling, uh, co-worker or boss. Um, you know, I was a drunk driver. I was a compulsive drunk driver. So I, I have a responsibility to anyone who drives on the road in Connecticut when I'm driving. I have a responsibility to them not to take that first drink, you know. So I think we could find strength in that, you know, knowing that, um, you know, it, it's gotten me out of some dark places when I think, hey, listen, um, this isn't all about me. I think so. I think so, too. It's a, it's a good reminder and it, again, it's, I think it's a, I think it's a confidence builder. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's like, you know, I'm doing this for a reason, you know, I, it's not just, be, I'm not just doing this for any, I'm just doing, I'm doing this 
Yeah, it's not just staying out of jail for me. We have purpose. Yeah, it's um, not hurting anybody. Hey, listen, you, John Sheldon could say, you know, a lot of people are dependent on this podcast. I listen to this podcast all the time. So I, I hope you don't relapse because I, I would, I would lose this podcast. Yeah. You know? So that's another purpose to, you know, and I've, 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 I've talked to um, other recovery podcasters who told me that one of the things they like about doing a podcast about recovery is it keeps them accountable because it's like, um, what, what, if, they, if, they, if, you, if you, if you really, if you just start drinking again, I guess the podcast is over, isn't it? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make a joke of it, but it'd be kind of funny if you took, picked up a bottle of Jim Beam while you were yeah, doing the like, podcast. Oh, Lord. Anyway. So today, you know, we're going to be doing a live stream. I hope that you can make it. It's going to be about, it's going to be about dropping the mask and being your authentic self. And what's funny about these these um, live streams? It's funny, I guess. Not, I don't know if it's funny, but interesting that as I I'm often unprepared, and so I what I've done with this one is I pulled up some articles about it just to kind of give me an idea of what this is even about. And as I was reading the articles, I realized, oh, there's a lot to this that maybe I I do actually kind of contemplate in my in my daily life. And for me, the dropping the mask and being authentic is about. How open do I want to be at large about my recovery? You know, um, I'm not that open really at work. There, there's like a few people, you know, that I'm close to at work that that know, but but overall, I'm not. And it's kind of interesting. I, some of the articles I was reading was about, you know, asking these questions. Well, why are you uncomfortable with that? And what do you think would happen if you if you took the risk? You know, and we're more open about it. How do you think you would feel? Um, and those are interesting questions to me. I mean, you know, on one hand, it's like I don't want to be known as just a person in recovery, as that's my identity. But on the other hand, it would be nice that I could just be my complete self wherever I go at work, you know? So it's, it's given me a lot to think about. Yeah, it's certainly an individual choice, of course. You know, I got sober at 53 after 38 years of drinking, and I, I, I was and still am very open about my recovery. But I have to say, if I was a 22-year-old college graduate applying for my first job as as a second-grade school teacher, I might think differently. You know, I, I might look at it a little differently. So, um, yeah, it's a case case by case situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of me early on. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't going to be in like any sort of sort of a profession that I needed the public trust or anything. But yeah, I was young and needing to get needing to get employment and you know, concerned about that and, and everything. So anyway, that's not me anymore. I'm old now and, and getting, getting <laughs> you're not, near, you're getting not as old retirement. as me. <laughs> yeah. You're not quite as old as me. So don't worry about it. <laughs> it's funny how, it's funny how time seems to go by so fast. And, um, I, I, I had, I, I was laughing at myself. I sometimes will reference someone I've talked to or, and as being uh, much younger than me or whatever. Well, hell, most people now are younger than me. Most, most people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if the you get pool, much older than me, you're growing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just had that realization. Yeah. Well, no wonder I'm talking to so many young people. They're, most people are. <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny yeah funny. the amount of people yeah the, the the seesaw is going the other way now the people older than you are you know are way up in the air <laughs> yeah because i yeah. think it's nice having so many young people well wait a second actually the rest of the world is <laughs> anyway it's kind of a funny well 
Mark, thank you for for coming on here and talking about this. I really appreciate that. I you know I reached out to the Soberlink people right after that live stream and let them know I'm so excited. You know I had a guy that talked about um, some clients of his that use Soberlink, and um, there were some other people that made comments about using Soberlink, and it made me feel good because they're my sponsor for this for this podcast. And I tell you, anytime I've ever heard anybody talk about Soberlink, it's always been totally positive. The people down there have been super great to me. Uh, and I like working with them. So it's just nice to know that, you know, the people who sponsor this podcast are doing something that's helpful for people in recovery, that it's a product that actually helps people. And, um, I, so I, it's, it was great to get that feedback and I'm going to get back. I'm going to circle back with them again and, and let them know about this conversation, have them listen to it. And maybe I'll explore in more detail, you know, uh, other people that, that use it and stuff. It might, this is kind of interesting to me, you know, that, that, um, cause it's, it's new technology really that you can actually use this and then send the results someplace. Plus it has like, you know, facial recognition where, you know, there's no way that you can, um, tamper with it really, you know? So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really, um, pretty high tech, you know, it's something that we didn't have, you know, 20 or 30 years ago and that, uh, and people, it helps people stay accountable. It helps them kind of keep track their own sobriety, you know? So yeah, pretty cool. So thank you. Do you for- think it, I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe you would know, is it a little bit of a takeoff from, um, I know people, you know, with DUI issues, right. Yeah. When they get their license back, there's the thing on the car that you have to blow into to start the car. I don't know if it's kind of along that lines. I'm not sure if that, if it is, but yeah, I don't know, but I have had, um, I had a guest on once before, and I'll have to ask Soberlink about this, but he told me that one occupation that would use it is uh, truck drivers. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that that you know, so, equipment op- equipment operators. Yeah, yeah, things like that. You know, um, I could see even maybe pilots or or you know y- using it, but I don't I don't think that they have it tied into the vehicle that you need to use it to start the car. But I do know that those exist. So like people who get DUIs today. They, the courts might mandate that they have something like that where to start your car, you have to blow into the the breathalyzer. Yeah. Anyway, so thank you. Uh, I'm going to get ready for this live stream here coming up here in uh, about 30 minutes. It's a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, is there any any final thoughts that you want to leave, leave us with before we head out? Um, not really, John. Just I really enjoyed being here and I'd love to do it anytime. I really That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.